the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Heaven in the scriptures is variously described as a country, a city, which emphasizes the number of inhabitants that are there, a kingdom, a paradise, and a place of rest. I don't know about you, but the older I get, the more I think about heaven. I guess that uh, makes sense, doesn't it? Welcome to another edition of Study Verse by Verse as Pastor Leighton Sheely, our teacher, digs into the book of John once again. I'm so glad you've joined us today. If you're new to the broadcast, well, we're here each day, Monday through Friday, and you can find out more about us on the web at highlands.us. That's the website for the church, Church of the Highlands in San Bruno, highlands.us. And now starting a new message in this uh, lengthy series, here's Pastor Layton. I'd like to invite you to turn in your Bibles to the Gospel of John, chapter 14. Gospel of John, chapter 14. We as a church family have been studying through this uh, fourth gospel written by the aging apostle towards the end of his life, decades after the other uh, gospels had been written. And there's a lot of information that is found in this gospel we don't find in the others. Uh, We're very thankful that the Lord had uh, inspired John to write this gospel. We're only about halfway through the gospel, and yet we've already progressed in narrative to uh, the week leading up to the cross. In fact, the portion that we're on today uh, in chapter 14 is literally a few hours before the cross. This is what took place in the upper room at the Last Supper. Now, let me give you a little background uh, for context, and that is in chapter 11, uh, Lazarus dies in Bethany, and Jesus comes and raises him from the dead. Now, Bethany's only a couple of miles from Jerusalem, and Jerusalem is the headquarters of the enemies of Jesus Christ. And the news gets to them, and they decide it's time to do away with this problem called Jesus. They're going to find some way to put him to death. And so Jesus and his disciples no longer walk openly among the Jews. He and his disciples withdraw into the wilderness. But in chapter 12, six days before the Passover, Jesus came to Bethany. Jesus was a wanted man. But instead of handing him over to the authorities, Mary, Martha, and Lazarus threw a party, a celebration that Jesus had come to town. And at that dinner, Mary opens and pours very expensive perfume on Jesus to anoint him for his burial. Judas takes offense at that. He thinks the perfume would have been better used if it had been sold, money put into the bag, and he could pilfer from the bag. And so he gets angry that he lost that opportunity and goes to the chief priests and religious leaders and offers to betray Jesus for 30 pieces of silver. Now, in all likelihood, the religious leaders would have preferred to arrest Jesus before the Passover celebration. Many people in the country came to Jerusalem for that. And they would want to arrest him so that they would keep him from doing anything that would disrupt their plans for that week. They would hide him away in some prison quietly. And then once the celebration was over and everybody went home, then they'd pull him out, throw a mock trial, and put him to death. But Jesus 
uh, had other plans. He provokes the leaders into responding by coming into Jerusalem riding on the back of a donkey's colt, thus fulfilling an Old Testament prophecy, declaring himself to be king. The people recognized this. They took out branches of palms and they cried out, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, even the king of Israel, even the Messiah. They thought he was the Messiah. But Jesus rejected their invitation to be their Messiah, their king. Uh, They thought that the uh, Messiah would be a conquering military and political leader who would overthrow the Roman government and inaugurate the Golden Age. But Jesus was not here the first time he came for that purpose. He came to die. And so he told them that he would be lifted up, describing the means by which he would die, that being the crucifixion. And that just didn't correspond with their concept of who the Messiah would be. And so the atmosphere is filled with confusion. And the disciples are, are dealing with a cascading array of emotions. Everything seems to be falling apart. All of their dreams and their desires, the prospect of Jesus leaving them and dying, the sorrow of, of knowing that they might lose him. And he had been their source of everything, and now it appears that he's going away, and they're going to be left in the midst of their enemies. And uh, to men who had left everything for their leader, to be told that he was leaving was shattering. And they were all very disturbed. And Jesus knew that in just a few hours, he was going to be on Calvary's cross, and they were going to be even more disturbed. And so he tells them to be calm. Let not your heart be troubled. Now, the night before his death... Jesus Christ here is addressing the 11 remaining apostles in the upper room. Judas has already been dismissed. And although the cross is imminent, only a few hours away, he's not focusing on himself, but he's focusing on his disciples and trying to encourage and comfort them. He truly loved them to the end, as John wrote in chapter 13. And so he sought to give them encouragement and these 14 verses that begin chapter 14 lay the comfort, lay the foundation for comfort and encouragement, not only for the disciples that were gathered in the upper room, but also for us as well. Chapter 14, verse 1. Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. Now, the last few days had been a roller coaster of emotions for the disciples, and uh, in addition to the events, they also had emotions from stuff that took place in the upper room. For instance, they're being shamed by refusing to wash each other's feet and Jesus stooping to do that for them and making a, a teaching session out of them. And then finding out that one of them would betray Jesus. And then on top of that, finding out that Peter, who was the most vocal and outspoken, most bold among them or one of the most bold, would deny Christ. And then Christ himself dealing with his own troubles all added to the confusion and the cacophony. Now Jesus here adds a second command to the one that he had already previously given. You remember he gave the command to love one another as I have loved you. And here he says, you believe in God, believe also in me. And he thus places himself as being equal with God. Now some people think that this verse is suggesting that Jesus is speaking of saving faith, but the scriptures indicate that that faith, that it already happened, that the disciples believed in him. And this is in the continuous present tense, which means that Jesus is saying, keep on trusting. 
Keep on trusting me. As you're trusting God, trust me. Well, how do the people trust God? Well, for one thing, they couldn't see God, but they believed that God knew everything. He was every place. He was all-powerful and so forth. And so what, what, uh, what Jesus was saying is, you believe that of God, believe that also of me. And we're going to find out as he continues on, as we've studied before, it's because Jesus is God. You believe that God the Father can do that? Believe that God the Son can also do that as well. He promises in verse 18, I will not abandon you as orphans. I will come to you. You see, Jesus has promised to never leave us nor forsake us. And he always keeps his promises because he is God. And God is not a man that he should lie. Jesus said, believe in God, believe also in me. You can't see God but you know that he's always near. You can't see me, but you know that I'm always near. I have promised to never leave you nor forsake you. Now, this is a source of encouragement and comfort to the disciples in the room, but it's also a source of encouragement and comfort to us as well. Because when we go through times in life that seem overwhelming, when we look at those events and we are, we are convinced that loss will inevitably result if God doesn't show up, We need to be reminded that God doesn't need to show up because he's already there. He's there with us all the time. He's there before the storms of life, during the storms of life, and after the storms of life. You believe in God? Believe also in me. Verse 2. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and take you to myself, that where I am, you may be also. And so he provides his disciples and us with another source of comfort and encouragement, the promise that the separation would only be temporary. That after the temporary separation, the disciples would be with him in a place that he was preparing. And that's not only a source of encouragement and comfort for them, but also for us as well, because we should recognize, if we don't, that this world is passing away, but that we are eternal. And because of the love and grace of God through Jesus Christ, our Savior and Lord, we are going to spend eternity in our Father's house. Now, E.M. Bounds does some study on the Father's house. The the Father's house is a reference to heaven. And heaven in the scriptures is variously described as a country like in Hebrews 11, due to its vastness, a city, which emphasizes the number of inhabitants that are there, a kingdom, because God is its king, a paradise, because how incredibly, indescribably beautiful it is, and a place of rest, because when we get to heaven, we're not going to have to contend with Satan, sin, and the system around us that is constantly at war with our soul. Now, some of us have a concept. We talk about heaven. We think of heaven as being a giant suburban housing tract. Well, the Bible doesn't describe it as that. It describes it as a huge, huge, huge palace. And the emphasis is on God's intimacy with us. The tabernacle of God is among men and he will dwell with them and they shall be his people and God himself will be among them. We're going to be in the father's house. 
If we get to heaven, we want to go visit the Father, we don't even have to leave the house and go down the street. We're in the house. And the fact that there's many dwellings means that there's going to be a lot of people, a lot of brothers and sisters in the house. Now, Revelation 21 says, The city, the New Jerusalem, is laid out as a square. Its length is as great as its width. He measured the city with a rod. How big do you think this heaven is? Big. Big. Really big. As big as it needs to be. That's Pastor Leighton Sheely. If you've joined us late, we're in a study in the book of John. And we'll come back tomorrow with more at this same point and in this same message. If you'd like to listen to any of our past broadcasts, I certainly encourage you to go to our website and click on the Messages link on the homepage. The website is highlands.us. That's highlands.us. And while you're there, check on the upcoming event this Saturday, uh, a partnership uh, outreach by Church of the Highlands and the Institute for Creation Research. It starts at 10 a.m., on Saturday morning and continues until 2. Again, all the details are on the website at highlands.us. I'm Mike Trout. Thanks for joining us. As I said, we'll be back tomorrow at this same time and once again open to the book of John and study verse by verse. This program is sponsored by Church of the Highlands in San Bruno. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.